HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. And uh, on today's show, we are very pleased to have with us Janet Keller, who is the Communications and Public Relations Manager for this year's World Dairy Expo and also a dairy cattle breeder. Um, thank you for being on the show with us, Janet. To talk to your audience today. Um, so where are you based? Are you, are you based in Wisconsin yourself? I am based right south of Madison, Wisconsin, a little town called Oregon, so I'm about 10 minutes from our World Dairy Expo headquarters. All right. So the World Dairy Expo um, is the International Dairy Meeting Place. It's a five-day event showcasing the finest in dairy genetics and the newest technologies available to the dairy industry. Um, It's happening in Madison this October, and um, does it happen in Madison every year, or does it uh, change locations? It does. Um, we're really pleased that this year we're celebrating our 47th annual event. Um, and so many years ago when our um, founding group sponsored World Dairy Expo, it was just a very uh, initial thought of having a cow show right here in America's Dairyland. And since then it's blossomed into what it is today, an international scope event that most people that are either dairy producers and their partner vendors come and enjoy and exchange information. That's really exciting. And so um, 47 years, that's, that's very impressive. So it, originally it was, just about, uh, it was just about showing cows, you were saying. It, it was, and um, that's my love. I'm one of these typical Wisconsin uh, farm kids, grew up in a small dairy right down the road here in Dane County where the Madison World Dairy Expo event is held. And um, so I like watching the cow show when I have a chance. But my main job during the World Dairy Expo is to host all of the 
uh, global media partners that come in to cover the event and share that information back with the dairy producers from around the world. Wow, that's a that's a big job. It sounds like a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of communica- communication going back and forth. Um, so, how many different um, you know of these global media attendees do you, do you get? And um, you know, are people coming you know to this expo internationally who are looking to bring technologies uh, you know that they find at this show back with them? Very much, and um, we have a really interesting group or mix of people coming. Each year we have around 3,000 of the total 70,000 people that do come from other countries. And they come here not only for the technologies um, and newest research, but a lot of times it's just being able to rub shoulders with their fellow dairy producers and to share ideas that may have worked on the farm level with other people that have herds of cows back home. Wow, that's amazing. So you have 70,000 attendees. We do, and it keeps growing. Um, we're very excited about this year. We've had a lot of international interest already, and, of course, we won't know until October 1st through the 5th exactly how many will make it in for the show, but we're looking for a strong turnout again this year. So this year's theme, Center of the Dairy Universe, is very apt because if people, are, <laughs> people really are coming from all over the world to you guys. Yeah, we, we like to think so. We like to think so. And it, it uh, offers a lot of different facets. Not only can people come and sit down in the Coliseum uh, undercover and watch over 2,500 of North America's beautiful dairy cattle walk through the show ring to compete for some of the awards, but they can also go to educational seminars. They can um, have youth competitions to watch, and, of course, our large dairy trade show, which um, unveils a lot of the newest uh, information for dairy farmers, a lot of the new products and services for dairy producers of all sizes. Well, so let's talk a little bit about those three aspects. So first, the, the cow show. So how does that work, and um, how many participants do you generally have, and um, mm-hmm. how many breeds are represented? That just sounds fascinating. It is. And for anyone that's never seen a dairy cattle show, um, these uh, breeders of dairy cattle from across North America, so Canada and the United States, take great pride and great care with these cattle. Um, they basically are part of the family, so to speak. Um, and they enjoy um, looking for the most beautiful animal that they have on the farm, and then they come to an event like World Dairy Expo where they can actually compete for awards. Um, And when you bring an animal into a show of this magnitude, not only do the owners, and there's over a 1,000 owners that usually travel to World Dairy Expo, come, but also a whole entourage that are uh, basically caretakers for these animals because they care so much about them and want to make sure that they're always clean and comfortable, they get daily baths, and um, they, they have nice uh, air-conditioned uh, fan systems and such set up, and also um, water and feed at all times so that they're very comfortable in their surroundings, and they're kind of like rock stars in the cow world. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good life. I, I'd sign up for that. <laughs> and then, um, uh, you know, so you're saying Canada and the United States. How many different breeds are you seeing? Are you seeing a majority of breeds that are a little bit more well-known, say like, you know, the Holstein breeds and Jerseys and um, things exactly. like that? Or do you see some of the European breeds as well? Right now, the way the show is, um, we have seven major dairy breeds. So you're exactly right. The breeds like the Holsteins, uh, the Jerseys, uh, Ayrshires, Milking Shorthorns, uh, Red and Whites, and those types of breeds, Brown Swiss included. Um, there is, uh, at times, talk about perhaps opening it up in the future. Right now, to be honest, part of our limitation is the size of the facilities. Mm-hmm. We are at capacity. In fact, we have outgrown the hard structure barns that we have on grounds, and we're hopeful in the near future that we'll be adding pavilions. 
um, to replace some of the temporary tent structures that we house the cattle in right now. Wow. Wow. That's a, uh, that, yeah, that sounds like it's a logistical, um, it would be a logistical feat to, <laughs> to move from this step to that. But so that's very interesting. Okay. So you've got the seven major dairy breeds and then what kinds of awards are offered and what does it mean for somebody to win an award at the expo? That's an excellent question. As I said, these um, cattle owners take great pride in, in being able to develop enough cow families that they can compete at this level. This is considered one of uh, the premier cattle shows in the entire world. And so if a person can breed an animal that can top either her age class or go ultimately to the top award in the breed or even better than that, the Supreme Award, which is over all breeds, the top cow of all breeds is named each year, that means great opportunities for that person um, to further develop those cow families and to be able to help spread her genetics throughout the world so other farmers have a chance to also um, share in her beauty and, and the attributes that she will genetically pass on. So stakes is high. That's pretty crazy. So if if a, a cow if a cow wins, that means that her her genetic uh, you know um, her genetics could be you know spread throughout the world. Basically, it is. It's, it's quite a quite a thing and, and very interesting business. And um, like I said, I'm a cow enthusiast, and and um, we take take a lot of love and passion into this show. I guess. Oh, absolutely. I feel like anybody who who loves animals, you know, whether it's um, cows or, of course, here in New York City, we have the Westminster Dog Show. And, you know, it's yes. just uh, it's it's another it's another level of animal appreciation, to be sure. Um, mm-hmm. So can I ask who who won the uh, the top award at last year's expo? A cow by the name of Haley. Haley was a Holstein and Haley um, competed well in her Holstein breed individually and won that division. And then she went on to be the supreme champion of World Dairy Expo. And we hear um, that Haley will be returning to compete again this year. So we're excited to see what she looks like coming back this year. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Now, um, I have a question, and um, you know, I hope this isn't too, too touchy, but I know um, some people in the dairy world are um, you know, opposed to certain practices like you know, um, certain growth hormones and stuff like that. Are those um, things taken into account in the, in the show, um, or is milk production taken into account um, in the show as part of it, or is it a purely, uh, you know, is it a purely show um, thing? We do also give production awards, and so um, cows are based or, or ranked, I should say, on their ability to produce good uh, quality milk. Um, that is a separate award within each class, um, and those animals, um, you know, they have sometimes it's for high um, protein content, sometimes for high fat, or the combination of the two that those awards are are based on. Okay, okay, that's uh, that is very very interesting stuff. Um, I, I I can get kind of uh, geeky about all that stuff because I love. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you know you you gotta being a cheese person you've got to have good milk to to have good cheese so that's right high the, quality milk and high you know animals that are well cared for absolutely absolutely um all right so so you've got the show um for the cows now the now the seminars um so if people are are coming to the to the world dairy expo they ha- they have a an option to attend a wider array of seminars um some of the ones that uh were you know sort of uh poking out at me this year through the through the uh through all the offerings were uh dairy sustainability why it's important for you and your operation how to survive current milk and feed prices um milking with robots how is it done and say what what to when to tell your social media story um that's a pretty great range of of topics to offer your attendees 
It is, and I think um, a lot of people may not recognize that today's, excuse me, today's dairy producers are very knowledgeable people. Most dairy producers nowadays in these families that own dairy uh, dairy operations are um, at least a college graduate, or if not, they, some of them have masters or PhDs because there's so many facets. To, to operate a business like a dairy operation. And so subjects like dairy sustainability has become a, a very front uh, burner topic for our industry, trying to make sure um, that we continue to be good stewards not only of our cattle but also of the land that we use to raise the feed to feed the dairy cattle. That's become important topics, and so that's why uh, we want to have the most current experts and the most um, wanted or needed sharing of information available for their people that come to the show. And certainly things like milking with robots, I'm sure a lot of your um, listeners may not understand that today's operations are quite technical in nature. And the reason that we've started using robotic milking systems is so the cow can actually choose when she gets milked. So it's kind of an interesting concept. As a, as a mother of a nine-month-old uh, child, I can totally relate to why a cow would want to be choose or would why a cow would want to choose when she was milked because, gosh darn it, that could be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So these are all good things for the cow. Yeah, that's really uh, that's really interesting. And I feel like also when our listeners might not not sort of be able to picture how a cow is milked with a robot, it's not like you know R two D two wheeling over to the cow and you know doing his thing. It's it's kind of a the cow enters the parlor, gets into her stanchion, and then you know the the milking system uh, just kind of you know does its thing. It uh, does. Yeah, it's really really fun to watch because they actually use a laser uh, system to locate how the cow. Uh, how the cow's mammary system is built. So they actually, uh, here again, are using technology in a soft manner to not only make sure that the cow is clean and sanitary before the milking uh, starts, but also to make sure that she's very comfortable while she's standing in that area being milked. That is very, very cool. Um, well, I definitely want to get more into the trade show and the technology aspect of the World Dairy Expo. Um, we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to lead off with our curd word, which is a new cheese vocab segment here on Cutting the Curd, and then we'll talk more about the trade show. So stay Wonderful. with us. You're listening to This Body by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Keep it locked for more from Cutting the Curd. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 160 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. And we are back on Cutting the Curd. You can find Cutting the Curd and a whole host of other great food-centric shows and some non-food-centric shows on the Heritage Radio Network at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Um, so we're going to lead off the second segment today with our curd word, which today is bocconcini. Uh, bocconcini is a, is a term describing a traditional fresh mozzarella ball weighing about uh, two ounces. And bocconcini literally translates from Italian to English uh, as little mouthfuls. So if you've ever seen a little tiny ball of mozzarella, that's what it is, bocconcini. Um, and we also have today a little bit of funny cheese news from the state of Wisconsin. I mean, who would have guessed it? Um, <laughs> this comes from the Star Tribune. Um, it was actually published on September 12, 2013. Um, the title of the article, A Slick Move, Milwaukee to, to Mix Cheese Brine Rock Salt to De-Ice Streets This Winter. Um, so how funny is that? I, I love it. The dairy state putting its cheese brine to good use. It's going to de-ice the streets this winter. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? It is great. Yeah, it says uh, it's uh, Milwaukee has experimented with alternative de-icing products before, such as beet juice in 2009, which, when mixed with salt in the city's trucks, <laughs> turned into something resembling oatmeal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, you know, cheese brine. After a while, you know, you just got to get rid of that stuff, and so why not uh, use it to help with the roads? <laughs> Another way to recycle, right? Exactly, exactly. So, um, our guest today, we are talking. Um, with Janet Keller, who is the Communications and Public Relations Manager for this year's World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin. And Janet, we're just going to start talking a little bit about the trade show aspect of the World Dairy Expo, where new dairy technologies are unveiled. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that aspect of the show? Sure, Ann. We have a very large trade show, and again, it's recognized as the premier trade show for the dairy uh, producers in the world. Uh, This year, we're expecting a little better than 850 exhibiting companies Some of those actually have more than one booth because we have multiple uh, sites within our facility campus where Dairy Expo is held. Um, But a lot of these companies do come from other countries. I I believe the last tally I heard uh, today was that we're up to 28 different countries represented coming in the trade show uh, realm this year. So, uh, you know, countries that traditionally we probably wouldn't think of here in the U.S. as being dairy countries, but there will be countries like um, Israel, um, countries like Italy, um, United Kingdom, China, um, a lot of different countries, Russia will be coming um, and sharing some of their technologies that they have um, made available for dairy production. Um, a lot of interesting things in this trade show, and every year we're even amazed on staff how many new things are being unveiled. Um, the dairy industry tends to be a very prolific invention um, hotbed, especially right now because of people starting to transition their operations. There's a lot of different style of dairy um, herds out there, and so you need the equipment and the products and services that go along with the diversification that's happening out there. And so what are some of the things that have caught your eye in the past couple years as far as uh, technologies that people might not be aware of for dairying? I think there are some that they may have heard some news on on the early horizon, and those would be things like methane digesters. Um, those are becoming more and more affordable. Um, originally, some of those were more in the research phase, and they were trying them on some of the larger dairy farms across the United States. Some of those now are being designed for smaller operations and have become much more affordable. And here again, talking about sustainability, um, so that farmers may use some of these systems um, not only for energy, but there's also um, other technologies that are available to deal with the waste from a dairy cow um, so that they can recycle the dry part of the waste and such, into bedding, actually, back into the dairy. So a lot of those technologies are really cool and cutting edge right now. 
Wow, that is really exciting. Well, I feel like yeah, any way to to get closer to sustainability um, is always is always a great thing and, and an economic incentive for farmers as well. Um, there's another one that caught my eye: um, smartphone software designed to track individual cow health and production. Um, so that's pretty cool. A farmer can sort of uh, have an app on their phone that can help them track how how Bessie or Haley or whoever the cow is might be doing in the parlor. That's right. Who'd have thought? But again, we have younger and younger uh, farmers entering the systems now. Uh, it used to be 10 or 15 years ago, the average age of uh, dairy farmers was actually quite old in their 50s or 60s. But that's changing. More and more um, young people that are coming through college that have agriculture background and a lot that do not have agriculture background have taken a keen interest in becoming a dairy producer. And with that age group has come um, the demand, not only the need, but the, the desire to have things on their smartphone and on their tablets and iPods and everything else, right? That's so a lot of this new software is being developed to help meet that need where they can actually get better record keeping and be able to archive individual dairy cow or dairy herd information to help ensure, the, again, that the cow is... Um, always in the ultimate care uh, realm. That is really, really cool. Um, <laughs> I was thinking I have a friend who makes cheese, and she um, makes a note of what music she was listening to each day when she when she made the cheese. Maybe there could be a <laughs> an iTunes tie-in where you could, you know, get your playlist to be what, you know, what makes the cows produce the most milk. I've heard that uh, cows who listen to music produce more milk. I don't know if that's true. I, I think that would be an excellent product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, so that's an interesting thing that I wanted to touch um, a little bit further on. Um, the aspect of younger people getting into the dairy business. It's really exciting to hear because, um, I know that, you know, dairy farming is certainly not an easy business. And over the past, uh, 20 years, probably longer, you know, there've been a, there's been a severe drop off in the number of dairy farms in this country. Um, and so what, what is the, what is the sort of, um, how do you gear your expo towards, um, you know, getting younger people in, or if you don't, what do you attribute the, the influx of young people to? We actually, as a mission with World Dairy Expo, one of our missions is to help educate and work with the youth because we do realize that they are the future, truly the future, not only of our industry, but everything in agriculture and, and for better communities across the United States and, and abroad. So we try very hard to provide opportunities at Expo. Some of the things that we have are very related to the cattle show. They would be things like we have a junior show for the Holstein um, uh, kids that are showing that particular breed. We also have what we call fitting and showmanship contests where um, the animal isn't judged, but the ability of that youngster to prepare their animal to show and then to show the animal to the judge to the best of their ability is judged. So you're actually judging the, the youth instead of the animal, and those are fun and very competitive. Um, we also have um, FFA contests and 4-H contests um, where they actually are evaluating dairy cattle, dairy products, um, things like that that help them develop skills that could further their uh, career advancement later on, or they're interested in going to college to study agriculture. That is very exciting. And how young uh, do children start participating in these different things? Traditionally, about nine years of age. Um, however, I will share with you, we have a, um, because this dairy business in America is very family-oriented, well over 95% of the dairies in the United States are family-owned. And so it's, it's not only a business, but it is also the family's life. And so a lot of times people will actually take vacations from the farm 
to come to Expo as a family. And in those cases, you might see children um, younger than nine out there helping mom and dad um, get the animals ready. They definitely pick up brooms and help. You know, they're learning responsibilities at a very young age, but they love it because they love their animals so much and they like spending time with them whenever they can. That's really intense. So how do you imagine, uh, I mean, I guess people have a variety of ways of dealing with that, but leaving a dairy farm for any amount of time is certainly stressful for the owners um, because, you know, dairy animals continue to produce milk all the time. Um, So do you have a a good idea of how people are able to kind of cope with that when they come to the expo? You're right. You're exactly right. Dairy farming is a a 24-hour-a-day job, so to speak. Um, And I, I say that seriously. Yes, we all sleep and try to get as many hours sleep as we can, but the dairy animals um, need care, you know, around the clock, so to speak. And, for instance, when a cow decides that she's going to have a calf, uh, farmers usually get up and, and watch to make sure she doesn't have any problems, so she needs some assistance They're there. And so the hours are pretty intense, and people, um, I guess in a nutshell, people would not be a dairy farmer if they didn't have a passion for their animals and a love for, for what they do. But when they leave, a lot of them have either other family members that stay home and in those cases, a lot of them will go to our website, worlddairyexpo.com, and there's actually a live streaming um, area where they can watch the show in progress. So even though they might be home taking care of things um, on the home farm, they can check in when they're in the house and, or their barn office and take a look at the show going on, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is very cool. That is very cool. Um, so something that occurred to me while we were talking is, you know, we're talking a lot about cows. Um, what emphasis is given to other dairying animals at the Dairy Expo, goats, sheep, um, and even others that I might not be, buffalo, other things that I'm not thinking about? You know, we have a lot of the vendors that actually are um, coming to World Dairy Expo with equipment or products or services for those other milk-producing species. Unfortunately, we don't have shows right now because, again, we're limited on our uh, barns, uh, the size of our barns and the ability to stable any more animals. Um, however, there are more and more because of the popularity of those milks going into some of the high-quality um, artisan cheeses and such that there is a need for the, the services and products that go along with them. So we do have, for instance, one company uh, does come in and they actually have um, goat milker machines on display. That's that's cool. I'm I'm kind of partial to goats, so I guess that's why I asked that question. I love I love goats. I feel like sure. Um, I love cows, obviously too, and sheep. But I feel like goats for whatever reason they they get me. They're a little they're they're endearing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so we talked a little bit about novel technologies that come out of the show. What about um, different dairy products? What are some? I guess um, I'm interested to know what are some sort of products that are available at the show or that are unveiled at the show that people might not think of or know about? Sure, that's an excellent question. We don't have um, a product display per se. We have um, a limited one, which um, places like the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board and Ellsworth Cheese uh, Company and some others um, do actually have their products on display, and actually um, attendees coming to the show can buy and take home with them, which is kind of neat. You know, things like cheese curds are very popular. Um, on site, we also have the Badger Dairy Club from our own University of Wisconsin Madison here. They make homemade grilled cheese sandwiches and homemade malts on site for all of the attendees to buy if they wish, and they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have a number of events, uh, for instance, the Recognition Award Banquet where some of our partners, sponsoring partners, actually bring some of the wonderful 
uh, United States cheeses in um, to display and for the attendees of that particular event to nibble on. And so lots and lots of really good things like some of the good uh, goudas, some of the, um, you know, the, the better Swiss cheeses. Um, there's just a whole variety of those types of things available throughout the event. And then there's lots of other events off-site because of the number of people that come to town at other receptions and banquets that are shared with those global visitors. That's very that's very interesting, and I'm I guess I'm also thinking about things that um, you know uh, maybe traditional cheese sellers wouldn't think about, like um, you know, is there an emphasis on, for instance, whey powder or anything like that? Um, do you see a lot of technologies addressing that aspect of the industry as well beyond just fluid milk and cheese? Um, there is some, but here again, we don't focus as much on the processing end for this show as much as we do on the dairy cattle management end. I see. However. I also share with you, we also have the World Dairy Expo um, Championship Dairy Product Contest, and the contest itself is judged about two weeks ago prior to the event, um, but we will have an auction of all of those products. So everything from ice cream entries from across the country to butter entries to cheeses, um, cottage cheeses, just a, a wide array of different dairy products that will be actually auctioned off during our event. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Well, I look forward to seeing what some of those are. That's uh, got to be a very interesting auction. Fun. Um, so the expo is taking place this year, October 1st through the 5th. And um, you said uh, to learn more, you can visit worlddairyexpo.com. Um, and I'm assuming uh, if someone's coming to the expo, um, are, there must be varying types of tickets available, right? For like a one day or the whole thing? Sure. or um, How does that work? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we have daily admission for ten dollars uh, per person, and we also have a season pass, which is for the entire five days, um, for thirty dollars. Um, and we do encourage people that are traveling distances to come to the show to consider staying for at least a couple of days. There's a lot of things to see, a lot of things to experience, um, a lot of educational seminars, uh, virtual farm tours, a whole plethora of things um, on our 160-acre campus that you can you can experience for World Air Expo. Wow. Well, that is so great. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us, Janet. I really appreciate it. And um, I wish you guys a very successful event this year. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.